ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller. Let me introduce my guest today, Melissa Reeves. Melissa? Hello, hello. I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> I um, am too. Melissa is a storyteller, which is awesome, and it also is awful because I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. That's totally not intimidating at all, <laughs> at all. Nope, not a problem. <laughs> so, and and there's a difference between a talker and a storyteller, just so we're clear. Um, so we're gonna chat with Melissa in a bit. By the way, if anybody wants to call in, you can call in at four two five three seven three five five two seven. We would love to talk with you. Um, so today I'm going to switch things up every week because I know you listen religiously, Melissa. I do a Staceyism, which is some nugget of wisdom. And actually today's nugget of wisdom came from the workshop that I attended with you today. So it's fresh off the press. It is fresh off the press. Awesome. So this is what happens to me all the time. I will hear somebody say something and it it strikes a chord that has nothing to do with, with what they're talking about. So today we were joined um, by, I think it was Rebecca. And Rebecca was talking about how her, I think, foot or her leg or something was in a boot. And she said um, that things heal faster if you immobilize them. Yep. And I was like, okay, that is a Staceyism, which is totally stolen wisdom from someone else mm-hmm. and given my twist. <laughs> but if we think about this, right, so what she was talking about is that if you isolate something and you give it the time to heal, then it can heal and it will heal faster and everything can do what it needs to do to help it. And, you know, it can be, dare I say it, present in the moment. Well, that's interesting because in storytelling, um, we always say it's good to tell a story that's a scar, but not a wound, because this, it's too raw, and the storyteller can't get through the story necessarily, and then they might take down the audience with them. And then everyone's completely awkward and uncomfortable. So immobilized means you get some space away from it mm-hmm. and allow that story to kind of just sit inside you. When it's ready to come out, it will. Well, and it, and it feels so um, relevant right now. I mean, I think about the whole idea of everyone's you know staying in and and, you know, California that has a stay-at-home order and, you know, states and communities that are shutting down and whatever. And this whole idea that if we immobilize for a little while mm-hmm. and we just stay where we are, mm-hmm. then, I don't know, maybe we'll heal faster. Right. And, you know, maybe we all need to just be present for a moment and stop running our mouths and stop running around and stop creating a, a sandstorm of whatever and just... Well, that kind of reminds me then of Raj. So we did a storytelling workshop today. That's what we were together at. And Raj talking about the fact that when the power power went out, he took all that distraction and he became centered Mm -hmm. because he could take the quiet and remember himself as a power surge. So that was a really cool moment that he pulled out. So way to go, Raj, if you're listening. I know. It was was so awesome. So that is today's Staceyism, folks. Um, Remember, things heal faster if you immobilize them. So everybody stop running around. Um, okay, a mom update every week. Hi, mom. I know you're listening. You're probably with Diane and Lee. Um, so here's the deal. Yesterday I got a text from Buffy. Now, 
Buffy and Mom are church friends. Buffy is my age. Buffy is like an amazing woman. She goes to daily mass. She has, I think she's got five kids. She is the nicest, kindest, smartest person ever. And so my mom and Buffy, since she's local, they have forged this awesome relationship. It's, you know, friend. It's kind of the mother-daughter vibe. Um, Buffy lost her mom a while back. And so I think mom is like a mother figure, which is always so much easier when it's not your actual mother. And so I adore Buffy because Buffy reaches out to me regularly and says, what can I do for your mom? Does Mm. she need scotch? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. Yes. Does she need, you know, um, does she need anything? What can I do to cheer her up? You know, what can I do to help? However, we just watched um, Fred Claus over the weekend and I'm like. Darn it, I am Fred Claus and Buffy is St. Nick. So even though she's not my sister, we all tease that she, my mom adopted a child late in life named Buffy and she's the favorite. <laughs> and so I feel like I am, I'm Fred Claus. I mean, I have a good heart and everything. It's just, I have all my own stuff going on and it's just really easy and natural for Buffy to be awesome. So what you're saying is that it's not your mom that Buffy should be helping. It's really you. <laughs> wow. I didn't know we were going to have counseling. <laughs> I know that my mom is probably sitting there with her scotch in hand, and she's like, you go, Melissa. <laughs> I got your back. Okay. It's not all my fault. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I am, I am kidding aside. I am so grateful to have sort of troops on the ground near mom that can rally around and help her with whatever she may need and boost her spirits and somebody that can act as an extension of me. That's wonderful. It is so wonderful. So as much as I tease about it and joke that it makes me feel inferior, which it does, um, I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I had to bring my parents out because they, they went into that situation and I had to bring them out from Grand Rapids, Michigan to here. And it was so much better. They had a community. They had people caring for them. I could sleep a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to bring my mother out here, except that she might die sooner because I might kill her. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's Day from Stacy. <laughs> no, um, that's actually not true. I'm teasing. As you listen to me talk about my mother, it is clear that I have a love-love relationship with my mother. I love to tease her, and I love her unbelievably. I can see it. Um, <laughs> but she, I don't think she would want to leave the community that she's created. I mean, she misses us terribly and um, and all of that, but, you know, it's hard. Um, yeah, so that's a mom update. And she's been working on the Christmas menu, which, by the way, update for those of you keeping score – She's ordering dinner from McCaffrey's, which is a market that's near her. And she part of the meal is mashed potatoes. And it will not be Bob Evans mashed potatoes, much to her, and Rick Riz's chagrin. They're both a big fan of Bob Evans mashed potatoes. I think I've had those. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I make my mashed potatoes. Yeah. Remember mashed potatoes out of a box? Um, You mean like my first Thanksgiving? Was it Hungry Jack? I think it was. Wow. My Midwestern is showing me. <laughs> Wait, aren't you in potato land? Like, I was from Michigan, but like, yeah, a little bit of potatoes may have been around. 
Interesting. Yeah, we totally did um, um, Bud Potatoes for a long time. And then I learned from, I think her name was Lillian Poland. Wow, that just came up from the resources or the recesses of my mind. Um, And my parents left me with them. And um, not like forever, like for a week or something. And she taught me how to make mashed potatoes without gag bumps, which is what my dad used to call them. Gag bumps. See, I like them lumpy. He calls them gag bumps. He called them. He called them like, yeah, dad, very picky. Okay. Okay. I also have to say a quick shout out to my brother, Peter. Happy birthday. It was yesterday. Happy birthday, Peter. Right. (laughs) Um, He, we got cut off yesterday. I called him to wish him a happy birthday, but we were coming back from Veranda Beach where we have um, a house and we were going through the mountains and it got cut off and, you know, that's no fun. Um, But I want to talk about this. I want to talk about Veranda Beach. Please. So, fell in love with this place. Check it out, folks. Veranda Beach. It's in Oroville, Washington. It is near the Canada border, which is sort of strategic because if things go crazy, then we're going to defect by scuba because <laughs> it's on a lake. <laughs> which, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> which is only a problem because I don't know how to scuba or snorkel. Mm. But... Okay. I'll die trying. I don't know. Um, but it on. is this amazing little community, resort community, and we just have come to adore it. And so I decided, well, we decided, but really I decided, that we needed to have electric bikes because the the little resort area, there's the, the lake, and then it's near, it's basically plunked down on this lake, and it's surrounded by farms and a rural area and apple orchards and, you know, I mean, it is two miles as the crow flies to Canada. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm not a, I'm not a runner. There's no way I'm going for a run. Also, out of the resort, there's a massive hill, so... If you want to give me a ride to the top of the hill, then maybe I'll go for a walk. Um, I'm a very selective exerciser. <laughs> I can see that. I have a lot of rules. Yeah. The temperature has to be at exactly. 68.5 degrees. I don't want to sweat. And my white socks are on my feet. Well, and I don't wear socks, so I have to be careful anyway. So I thought, okay, electric bikes. And now I've gone on these electric bikes a couple times and um, rented them from... Pedago, which is in um, Redmond, and rode bike to um, rode the electric bike to Woodenville, had lunch, had wine, and then could ride back. It's heaven. I've done it. It is amazing. I will say that I have a little bit of an issue on that trail and that you go in Redmond because we're all outside now, even if we don't like to exercise. The trail is super, super crowded, so I tend to ride like I'm being chased by the hounds of hell mm. because I keep trying to get, like, ahead of everybody. Like, as soon as I get ahead of everyone, then I'll be able to, like, calm down and relax and enjoy. Okay, another life lesson. You're never going to get ahead of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I decided we'll get electric bikes and we'll bring them to Veranda Beach. So, we borrowed a friend's truck. And we loaded them up, and we were tooling around, and it reminded me of the Macklemore song, Downtown. Mm-hmm. 
So the part where he says, running around the whole town, neighbors yelling at me, need to slow down, going 38, Dan, chill the heck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a speed limit posted in Veranda Beach. You can only go 10 miles an hour, which, I mean, you can walk 10 miles an hour. And on the electric bikes, though, Pete and I were, like, going so fast. We were, like, the fastest kid alive. And we're zipping around, and so I'm waiting for the folks in the summertime to be like, slow down, you're going too fast on our electric bikes. But because I'm such a rebel, I've decided I need to start a biker gang, an electric bike biker gang. Okay. Right? Yeah. So on Friday to our BNI meeting, I wore my black sequin bomber jacket. I remember. Add a little embroidery, okay, to the back. See where you're going with it. Get a gang of people. We're rebels. We're going to go, like, 12. Okay. Over the speed limit. Okay. Is that a gaggle? I don't know. I think (laughs) it's still a gang. I think I'm a gang. I'm such (laughs) I'm like a pink lady, but red (laughs) or something. I don't know. So um, I've got the gloves. We had to get gloves because it's cold, and you don't want your hands to slip on the grip. So... I have now gloves. I've got the helmet and the jacket. And so when I posted this on social media saying that I'm going to start a biker gang, there was some suggestions on names. You know, Hell's Angels, because my last name's Heller. Um, You know, Heller Razor. Um, But I'm going to go back to the name that was the name of my in-law's little boat that they had, which was Heller Highwater. Oh, there you go. I mean... I was going to do pedal punks, but no. Oh, that's cute, actually. Alliteration sell. It does. But Heller Highwater. Heller Highwater, I think. Right? And then Definitely. if we get a boat, we're going to call it Heller Highwater, and we'll have to name the house because, you know, you name homes, naturally. Like, Home? instead... Of, right, well... <laughs> no, no. Like, you know... Hi, Marge. <laughs> what? No, like, you know how there's people that, like, name their homes? Oh, like, like Tara. You know, Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I can name our home Heller Highwater. It's near the water. Everything's (laughs) named Heller Highwater. This makes it easy. It's like the same passcode. I'm going to like rename the three cats Heller High and Water. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of the deal on that. Um, And then my last thing that I have to tell you all about is I am a big one for being authentic about when you make a mistake. And I was telling Melissa this before the show started. So take yourself back in time. It's May. Remember? Oh, yeah. We were walking around 3D. Right, right. And it was sort of the beginning of the pandemic, but not really. And kids are not in school because they can't be. But seniors are getting ready to graduate. It's that exciting time of year where they're all hearing about where they're going to go to school. They're sending out announcements and they're hoping that maybe parties are going to happen. Just maybe they can have a get-together or they can have a drive-by or something. So I'm receiving all of the announcements, and I put them in a nice, neat little pile, and I rubber band them, and I kept putting them all together so that I would send everything out at once because, you know, you don't want it to be like, hey, did you get something from so-and-so? Like, well, I didn't get anything yet. So not that anyone keeps score, but weirdly, that was my thing. Put them in my drawer. Now, fast forward a couple weeks ago. I'm getting bowls out of the cabinet below that drawer in the way back, and I see something back there. Oh, look. 
it's the bundled group of announcements for the grads. Yep, that happened. So I made a card for kids that I'm going to send them. And who, I asked my kids, if you got a check randomly as a graduation gift in, I don't know, say December, would you care? And they were like, no, because I spent all of the money that I got at graduation in the first semester. It's like second Christmas. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be doing that. And I sent a little thing that it says, happy graduation. And at the top it says, you did it. And then I wrote... And then we lost your announcement in a drawer. It was bundled with the others and landed in the back of the cabinet below until recently. Class of, or classic 2020, envisioning perfect and seeing nothing. Life lesson, perfect is the enemy of good. Put good in the world. It's never too late. Congratulations. So I figure <laughs> it's never too late to put good in the world. And by good, I mean cash. <laughs> I'm buying their silence. <laughs> So congratulations to all the graduates out there. Um, if you are a FOS or friend of Stacy, you'll be receiving a card and money soon. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Melissa. And um, she's going to show me what she does. But I want to talk about Pedigo. So, okay, I already told you about the e-bikes. Pedigo is amazing. They have two locations. They have one in Redmond. They have one in Seattle. I've only used the one in Redmond. Twice I've rented bikes. The one time I mentioned I went to Woodenville, rode there, was able to buy my wine, carry it back. No problem. The next time I went on a bike ride, it was supposed to be to Bothell. We ended up going past Bothell to Vernon. Does that make sense? I don't know my geography. Um, anyway, It was a 22-mile bike ride round trip. Now, (laughs) check out my social media. You will see that I am not an exerciser. It is not my thing. The electric bike, it is perfect. You can move your legs and pretend that you're moving, but you're not. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, So it's a pretty amazing thing. Kidding aside, you can have all the help that you want, or you can have the throttle experience, whatever it is you want. We got an Element, which is basically a super bougie dirt bike. And then we also got a um, an Interceptor, which is essentially a cute beach cruiser. So this is an awesome thing for you guys to check out. You can either um, rent them and ride, or you can buy one and you can join my biker gang, Hell or High Water. So if that's not an enticement to um, check out Pedigo, I don't know what is. You can call them at 425-998-8830, or you can go to their website, which is Pedigo Electric Bikes. It's spelled P-E-D-E, like electric, see that? Go, electricbikes.com. So check them out. It is an amazing thing to get, and um, if you're going to be part of my gang, you're going to need a bike. So think about joining. Okay. Now we'll pretend that I am coming back from a message. (laughs) And we're back. (laughs) Poor Eric. (laughs) Eric's like, really? (laughs) I thought that was great. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm going to sample that and we'll use that for the rest of the shows too. (laughs) You're coming back. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that uh, Garth? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Way to know. Okay. 
So anyway, we're back from that very exciting um, message. And again, I'm with Melissa. Melissa is with Story of Fruition. She is um, perfect for this segment. So with my guests, this segment, I always call it, what's your story? I mean. Catchy. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's like I know someone who's a storyteller or something. Um, And Melissa with her business, she shows clients how you can transform your business um, through the power of storytelling. And she um, teaches about what a business skill it is. Um, You know, I took the workshop today, as I mentioned, and the different ways that you can tell a story and the importance of them. And, you know, thinking about, and I'll let you talk in a minute, I swear, Um, thinking about everything from asking investors for money, which Mm -hmm. you do with Founders Live, Mm -hmm. um, and knowing your story. It reminds me of Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea that people don't buy um, what you do, they buy why you do it. Exactly. And so connecting and having people realize and then having that really infuse your marketing and how you talk to your clients, your employees, and how you talk to them so that they become vested in your story because then it's not your story anymore. Then it's your collective story. It's our story. Um, and even numbers tell stories. I mean, ask any accountant, right? Definitely. So talk to me about this now. I'll let you talk now. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I got into this, this idea as a, as an entrepreneur when I went to the Seattle University business plan competition and there was this, this, um, it was pretty typical to watch the students going around their presentations, very business school Mm -hmm. uh, laid out. And it was like, problem, solution, Mm -hmm. go to market, addressable market, et cetera. And when you're coming at a listener, you are coming with them with just facts and pie charts. We're not going to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. We're just, it's going to be 5% of our brain sees your pie chart and we're not really relating to it. Mm -hmm. And that's right there. I realized I could help them. We can create a story. We can create a story of why they're doing what they're doing as a founder, what got them there, why are they waking up every single day to pitch this idea that's going to change the world. Mm -hmm. Personally, I love entrepreneurs because they're either fixing something that's broken, adding on to something that's ready for it, Mm -hmm. or they're finding something completely new. And every single one of them has their story, their own story fruition is how they got there. And so sometimes the story is their founder's story, which everyone should have. Everyone should have how the company came into its being, its fruition. But um, also, uh, it might be the customer plight. You know, we, mm-hmm. we were talking today in that one sample of, you know, someone who, um, should I tell that story? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Data, yeah. So I was uh, literally in a room full of 300 angel investors. And there was this, uh, you know, we're all mulling around and we're going to get our box lunches and we're going to sit down and listen to 10 entrepreneurs, CEOs that are going to ask for a lot of money. Now, these Millions. are not, sorry to interrupt, these aren't students. These are... Yeah, I'm moving over to the, these yep. are founders now. These okay. are CEOs. And and I look over in the back and I could see this one gentleman and he was kind of, you know, quiet. You could just tell he didn't want to be there. And mm-hmm. I could see his speaker and I could look up what he was doing. And he was literally solving cancer. He was He was, he was reducing tumor sizes in ovarian cancer. Really noble work. But you could tell he did not want to be there. He just wanted to be in the lab 
right? Yep. And solving complex problems. But he's so genius at it. He's now, you got to do this. You're our CEO. Go get us money. Okay. So I introduce myself. I say, good luck. And he goes, oh, thanks. Um, What do you do? I'm a public speaking coach. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) He just left. He shot off so quickly. And then he gets up on stage. It's his turn. And now he's going to be in front. Oh, he's doing a five-city tour. He has spent thousands and thousands of dollars to be in this room to get money from these investors. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he gets up after they introduce him, and he introduces himself. And he immediately starts with this giant slide well, of a rat. By the way, like, don't you say that one of the first no-nos when you give a presentation is don't introduce yourself again? Oh, my gosh. Please don't. You just got introduced beautifully. We just remembered your name. We just heard it. Yeah. So he introduces himself. He's just nervous, though. Of course. He's right. just nervous. And he's got to show us his rat. So up on the screen is this <laughs> giant rat. And the, the rat has this huge tumor on its leg. And then, and we're trying to eat our lunches. So I'm like. <laughs> and then he um, has a bunch of charts. All these riveting. charts. Yeah. So all these charts. And so it was, unfortunately, it was a little bit of a swing and a miss. So he recovered and he still got grounding, but it was the opening. And the opening of any talk, your opening is everything. It's everything. And he he just didn't know. And that's okay. And so the other route could have been, though, because we know that he has been, he knows many, many women. He's helping them get healed. Mm-hmm. Why not use her? as your opener, to mm-hmm. hook us, to get the emotional. Because what's happening is, is that you're coming in from the logical side. you got to have the emotional side. We have, to, we have to buy into the heart of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, it was sort of like, well, why don't we meet Sarah? And Sarah's 42 years old, and she has two kids that are at soccer. And as she looks out the window of her beautiful home on the cul-de-sac, she's listening to her doctor on the phone, and he's delivering really bad news. And he says... Listen, okay, it's it's aggressive. You're in you're in you're in third stage, and we are going to have to do some aggressive medications. What do you mean? She says, "Well, we're going to start with some medications, and then we're probably going to have to talk about chemotherapy, and and if that doesn't work, possibly radiation." Mm-hmm. Oh God! She looks over and she sees the Christmas tree, right? And she thinks, "Am I going to see that next year?" But the problem isn't as dire as it looks. And I'm Dr. Data from XYZ Pharma, and we are doing aggressive, aggressive healings towards cancer and the tumors. Now he could show us his rat. All right. Now, <laughs> now she can not show only us rat. see next year's Christmas tree, but she could plant a tree and hopefully live to see right. it grow. Yes, because in every story we need to have, you know, we have to have one, you're in one place and then you land in another place that's the opposite place. And mm-hmm. so in these cases, uh, stories are, so business narrative is really, it's, it's sales, mm-hmm. it's marketing, it's branding, and it needs to have a little bit of acting involved to really lock the soul of the listeners in. And so um, that's when I knew that there was, there was a need. There's a need for people to, because are we taught how to tell a story? Hey, boys and girls. Let's read this book. Right. Let's write this story. Let's analyze this story. But how to tell a story? I didn't get that training. I don't know about you. Um, n- no. I mean, Not until you know, late in life, obviously. I, well, I got the, you know, you have the beginning and then, you know, it was more of like an essay, right? You know, you sort mm-hmm. of introduce it. 
mm-hmm. and establish a few things and then there's some conflict and then you resolve it. And I mean, super basic stuff, but but what you really help people with is, you know, today one of the exercises that you had us do was um, you shared a bunch of different prompts and you had us just really quickly respond to those prompts with, you know, something like, you know, your your best boss or your worst client or your, um, you know, the moment that um, a moment that you felt humbled or, you know, these mm-hmm. different things. And you had us just really quickly without overthinking write down something so that we could have recall for later. And then you had us break out into these these um, individual rooms so that we could write something. And you gave us a specific amount of time. And I was really floored. Uh, the first prompt that you gave was about um, a moment that you realized that you should, you know, pursue what you're doing or do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going back to my high school, mm-hmm. you know, stage production and how I was in, you know, the back and I was doing um, – all of the crew work and and all of the tech stuff. And, you know, really, I was like, you know, I want to be on stage, see? Um, <laughs> but I can't sing worth a lick and I can't dance. And, and as I said today, I can't act like anyone other than myself. And so, you know, here we are 32 years later and I've had this full circle moment where I get to do this every week and be absolutely myself. And so it was really, it was such a powerful thing to make a connection and go back and bring it forward. And I love the way that you help people um, really go through time Mm -hmm. in the space of a very small period of time. Oh, absolutely. And see, you just did it. So now you have your origin story or your story fruition, as I like to say. And you will tell that story over and over again. You'll write it for your website. You can do it as videos. You'll you'll start playing with it because that just came out today. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'll start to tinker with it and then you'll get a longer one and then you'll know different ways that you might use pieces of it, depending on who you're talking to. It is an absolutely essential story for any any business owner to have. And it and some people think, well, that's just not that interesting. Yes, it is. Well, it's the whole it's your life thing. Your life has value. You have wisdom. And that's what stories share. And as you share wisdom, people listen and grow and you learn from them. It's connection. Stories connect us. And we all mm-hmm. have them. And I oftentimes will hear people not think that they have a valuable story. And then we start digging around and they're like, really? This is important. I'm like, absolutely, it's important. Mm-hmm. It's the smallest thing. And mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that I think is so interesting about what you do. I've seen the work that you do um, between the various shows that you produce and the clients that you've worked with. And I've gotten to see the end result of their presentations. And you pick a seemingly innocuous thing Mm -hmm. but it so sums up who the person is what they do what they're about it's it's a tell before they even knew it was a tell Mm. it's powerful well the thing that's important in storytelling and this this is what i call story mining i don't call it but uh, you know we in the industry call it this Uh, (laughs) story mining is that you have to really relax into it and allow whatever wants to come up and out to come up and out so I also gave a prompt before the workshop, mm-hmm. and I asked a question. I didn't want it to be businessy oriented. I just said, "When did you have an awkward family dinner?" Mm-hmm. Don't question it; just let it come up. And voomp, voomp, voomp! Everyone had something. There was only one person that struggled a little bit with it, but everyone mm-hmm. else was just flying forward with it because sometimes people overthink and they can choke off that creative flow that's trying to come out. 
I have literally woken up and opened up my writing journal and I was challenged. I want you to do a story for Fresh Ground Stories, which is an amazing storytelling uh, group here in Seattle by Paul Currington. Hi, Paul. Love you. <laughs> and and I, I was challenged by Kent Whipple, my original storytelling coach, who I adore. Love you too, Kent. And Kent's like, I want you to do a comedy. Do, do something funny. And I'm like, all right. And the, the theme was um, unexpected. Okay. And so we could, we could just absolutely like just something unexpected happens. And I get up and I start writing this story and I go right back to when I'm 23 years old and I'm, I'm discovering San Diego and all these spiritual things that I never saw when I was in Michigan. I never saw any of this. It's past lives and dreams and soul travel and sushi. I had no idea what existed beyond my, my little Midwestern Rome. And uh, I, uh, as I'm writing this story, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm back in that part of my life. And then I start writing about cicadas. I'm like, why am I writing about cicadas? And I'm just remembering all these things. And next thing you know, in the story as it's developing, there's this huge part where I talk about cicadas and it becomes this giant metaphor in the story. Mm-hmm. You can see you can see it on my site if you ever wanted to watch it. I actually really loved it because I completely surrendered when it was coming out. And I'm literally detached. Like, why am I writing about this? And then it mm-hmm. all came together. So you just have to really trust your creative flow and not try to tackle it, you know, hit it, mm-hmm. smack it, polish it, right. allow it to be a little gritty. Well, that, you know, one, you know, there's something called automatic writing where you're supposed to just basically do that. And just even if you write, I don't know what to write for five straight yes. minutes, you're mm-hmm. supposed to just do it. And eventually you can train yourself to just have automatic writing. Um the other thing is, I think that so much of the, um, by the way, if you're playing at home, every time I say, I think, I swear I need to make a drinking game or something because I say that all the time. And in writing, you're not supposed to say, I think it is obvious what I think because I'm saying it. Okay. <laughs> now that I just chastise myself. Um, <laughs> speaking of teachers that traumatize you for life, um, I think in school, you're so taught this whole idea of coming up with a story and polishing it. And that's that's all wonderful. But teachers can forget about the just, just write things out. And my kids had a teacher back in elementary school and they had their composition notebook. And they were given this notebook to just, anytime there was a writing assignment, to just write. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about tense. Don't worry about anything. Just Right. Yep. And basically teaching them automatic writing. And then they would, to use your word, um, mine for stories. So then when it was time to write about something or to learn some type of writing style or whatever, they could mine through all the things that they had written and see if they could expand on mm-hmm. one of those ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was so in awe of that teacher because that's not how I was taught. And I love that idea mm-hmm. to be able to be completely just boop, go well that's why i gave you that little swag i gave stacy a little notebook just has some of my branding on it but mm-hmm. that that is intended to be your creative journal flow and it's just you have a moment i was talking earlier today that we are challenging ourselves in the storytelling community of doing 99 second stories because mm-hmm. that's where you have to be tight you have to have an opening a middle a conclusion and a point Okay, so every word matters. And I literally will have a flash be like my father's hands. And that could be a story about my father's last final days and his final breath. Um, Golden bracelet, a story where a bracelet snapped off. Um, 
my cat Piwacket. I've got several stories about my cat Piwacket. These are all little gems, all in the making, and I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet. Mm-hmm. And when it hits, so if a, the moth says, hey, we're going to do a themed show on animals, I got like 16 ready to be fired off at any point. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is that I'm not really teaching people how to write stories. I'm teaching them how to tell them. It's definitely the oratory version of, of the skill. So I have students that like to write their stuff out all the way. Mm-hmm. That usually concerns me a little bit because I don't want it to be a monologue. I want it to sound organic and authentic. Right. And it, But it can help. Like I'll start to write my story, like the cicada story, mm-hmm. but then I usually get it and then I leave and I can start doing it out loud and listen to it. Or I might start to maybe bullet point and allow the, the flow of it so mm-hmm. I know where the story's going. Mm-hmm. And then I get completely off paper and I just play it over. I just keep doing it over and over again as it formulates. And I that's my process. But everyone has a different one. It's it's such a it's just such a powerful thing. I, I think it's fascinating. And and being able to tell a story that succinctly, you know, it's. You don't need that many words to get to the point and to make it impact and to say something. I, well, <laughs> says the girl that needs an hour to talk. <laughs> right. But the 99-second stories, I mean, they they can challenge you. Well, and, you know, talking about that, that piece where, you know, you can go back. So you tell a story as part of your founder story about how you wanted to go and do an arts program in college and how your father— Mm-hmm. burst the bubble and said, actually, what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to get a business degree because that makes more sense and whatever. And here you are now, fast forward however many years, and you are bringing that love for performance and that degree and business together. And you're finding a way to marry those skills and to finally do what you love. Right. It's- I figured out how to monetize my acting. <laughs> That's really important. And the other thing that you do um, that I love. So not only does Melissa have story fruition and she can help people with, you know, again, if you're going to be going up in front of some angel donors or you're going to be um, you feel like you just need to have your founder story. So many people focus on their mission and their goals as a business. Mm -hmm. But that should be derived from your founder story, really. Absolutely. And so people put the cart before the horse. And so, you know, maybe you need to work on your founder story or maybe you're going to be doing a presentation um, or a TED Talk or leading your team or whatever. Melissa can help you with that. The other thing that she does is she was inspired to start something called um, Melanin Stories Matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love this. Um, it is something where she showcases BIPOC people, um, black, indigenous, um, people, of, people color. of color. Yeah. And I had to make sure I got all of the, the parts. Um, and their stories. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a powerful thing to showcase and to let everybody have their moment and tell their story. And, you know, you're there as the producer of the show and helping coach get the stories out, but you're very aware of the fact that this is not your time for your story. Right. This is their time for theirs. Yes. Um, so what happened was watching George Floyd and then Breonna Taylor and the litany of police brutality that we had been seeing, I wanted to protest. It just made me dig down, like, how could we be so cruel to each other? 
how could that be? And I started to look at my own self and my own upbringing. And I found a story that made me realize, oh, my gosh, uh, I was raised to be racist. But I fought it off. Mm-hmm. And I told this story where I, I had to come up with some very tough decisions, but I was being mandated really by a lot of, unfortunately, racist people from Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. that was the era. They yep. were still good people, but they, no, that just never felt right. Right. And as the story came up, it ended up going on a podcast with Matthew Dix, and uh, it was a really fantastic experience. But I realized, listen, these stories, stories can educate, mm-hmm. and stories can heal, and they can, and, and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to go out on a protest. It's too scary. I don't want to get tear gas. People are getting hurt, and I certainly don't want COVID. So what right. can I do? And I realized, wait a second, you're a storytelling coach. You go to shows, create one. So that's how it happened. We started Melanin Stories Matter. We had our first show in September, and I had six uh, storytellers that were black, indigenous, or person of color, mm-hmm. and we raised money for organizations. So that ticket sales uh, went to Black Lives Matter, and every storyteller themselves would t- share a moment about racism. A moment. We had one girl that talked about how she hated her hair. She was raised to hate it. She was to straighten it, get it silky, Mm -hmm. but not be natural. And that just angered her because she said, I feel like I'm being taught to hate my own kind. Mm -hmm. Very powerful story. Really well done. And I coach all of the storytellers. So so I've, I've coached 22 storytellers since September. Then our second show, we did Your Vote Matters. Mm -hmm. And again, we had a variety of storytellers um, all over the country uh, and in Puerto Rico. And then our fabulous stories. And then our third show was just recently uh, Indigenous Peoples Day to honor the Native American Heritage Month. And even though we know Native uh, Indigenous Day is in October, Mm -hmm. the point was is that we really wanted to bring out what's it like to be indigenous in this country. Here's the thing. It's not so great. Right. It's not great. And we had we had some beautiful stories about gut health and how, you know, the diets are are hurting their culture because they're not they're not they don't have that makeup to be eating Taco Bell. Right. No, I mean, they, does anybody? Really? They eat from the land, and, and their diet has changed, and it's just been very powerful um, learning about the cultures and, um, and seeing the response of the audiences out there wanting to be a part of Melanin Stories Matters. It, it, feels, it feels right. It just feels good. And I do talk about the fact that I'm the white elephant in the room. <laughs> right, right. Because it's a little strange. Right. But it's good because I'm curious and I want to know and I want to heal and I want more people to heal. Mm-hmm. And so it. We're, we're striking, I think, a, a really good balance and respect mutual ways because we all have melanin. We all have it. So why right. is it dividing us? Yeah, it I, should be uniting us. Absolutely. I love that. I love it so much. I'm going to give you a chance at the end of the show to um, share your website and the website for Melanin Stories Matter. Um, but I'm going to take a quick break, and we are going to pivot to holiday stories because... There are always a lot of stories around the holiday. Ho, ho. Yeah, exactly. Ho, ho, ha. So um, I want to take a minute to talk about Textiso. So statistics show that 98% of text messages are opened compared to just a fraction of emails. Um, so whether you want to market to your clients or message your team, staying connected is more important than ever. Textiso offers an actionable way to see immediate results and impact on your messaging. So you can call 
800-600-0048. And you can learn more about what Textiso can do for you. Uh, think about things like loyalty programs or you're checking in with your marketing and your clients. Maybe you're trying to connect with your team, give COVID updates or closures. It's a great communication tool for both business and life. As I've shared, I use Textiso for this radio show so that if you want to get details about how to listen to the podcast, you can text 55678 and text in the word, sure it's a word, D-A-M-T-T. So text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 and you'll get details about Don't Ask Me to Talk and how you can subscribe. It's a really powerful tool. So consider text you so. Okay. And I'm back. <laughs> I covered it for you, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, I just, it, it, it's apparently my new tr- show transition. So stories. Holidays. Mm-hmm. I mean, the holidays are just rife with stories. And my, it makes me think of the story that my dad used to tell. My mom is a huge fan of fruitcake. To me, fruitcake is like the dregs of humanity. I mean, not really, but um, the dregs of, let's say, dessert. It's like the doorstop of desserts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And my father would concur. So he used to say that there's actually only one fruitcake that's been passed from person to person from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean. It makes a lot of sense. It yeah. totally makes a lot yeah. of sense. Especially like, the one that comes in the little rectangular yeah. thing that looks like a brick. The fruit's mummified. Oh, it is just nasty. Again, my mother loves it. So um, if anybody wants to send Joan some fruitcake, I can, you can DM me and I'll give you her address. <laughs> she would love it. <laughs> Especially like rum-soaked cakes and things like that. Well, that's okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole different thing. So holiday stories. And what's interesting about holiday stories is there's two perspectives. So if you're a kid, I feel like your holiday stories are maybe full of like anticipation and excitement, right? And the magic of the holidays. If you're an adult, it's full of like to do's and obligation and mm-hmm. stress and like guilt. Mm-hmm. So hmm. tell me a good holiday story. I, I'll tell you one. Now, remember in the workshop, we said this is a mind movie. So I hope I'm, I'm going to paint one in your head. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Okay. I'm five years old. And I'm holding the red present. It's got a big silver bow on it, and I'm shaking it. And I'm looking up at the t- the tinsel-laden Christmas tree, because it is 1970s. And I'm shaking it. I'm like, please, 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 please be the play school, school bus. Please. Missy, says my mother, you're going to break it. Now, I know that all the presents are from my mother and my father, because she said when it comes to Santa Claus, Missy, I do not lie to my kids. I don't. Santa's a big lie, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. So those presents that you're holding are from me and Daddy. <laughs> Enjoy. And so I knew with all the holidays that eyes were wide open. I knew that she was the Easter Bunny. I knew she was a Tooth Fairy, and of course she was Santa. It's very clear. But the house was always adorned with everything. The food was fantastic. It was great, and I kind of felt bad for my classmates who were really believing that there was this guy that flew into a sky with a bunch of reindeer and he comes down the chimney. I was always wondering, like, well, what does he do in Hawaii? Like, I don't understand. And I, I feel like I should tell him. <laughs> I should tell him. And But something said, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Now, 
It's 30 years later, and I'm living in the Pacific Northwest. I'm a cool, hip, Gen X mom, and I have spawned my first kid. And I am going to do the same thing that my mother did. I am not going to lie to my kids. And I had that plan. And then my little three-year-old Quincy says, Mommy, if I'm a good girl, will I be on Santa's nice list? I'm like, here it is. Honey, Santa is just a... And then she holds up her little pudgy hand and stops me. And she says, Mommy, if I'm a nice girl, will Santa put me on his nice list? I'm looking at her hand. I'm like, what is she doing? Like, <laughs> She's serving me? Like, I know she's smart, but come on. What, I, I don't know how to play the Santa game. She's like, this don't is, you go there. Yeah. I'm like, what? Well, I don't know what this is. And then all of a sudden I think of all the cul-de-sac moms who have told me that you can get stuff done using the Santa lure, right? It's legit. Yes. And all of a sudden I could hear my mother's voice going, Missy, don't do it. Don't lie to your kids. I think I'm going to lie to my kids. Missy, don't do it. And I look at my daughter and I say into her blue eyes, yes, yes. If you are a good girl, you will be on Santa's nice list. So why don't we just start with your room? Why don't we just, uh, you should pick up your toys. Okay. And she does. And I'm thinking, sweet, I am going to get the house clean, the dog walked. This is awesome. Well, about a year and a half later, I'm getting pretty good at all the holidays, and I'm using sand on everything. I'm like, you got to brush your teeth. Because if you give him an ugly, gross tooth fairy tooth, she's like best friends with Santa. So you've got to brush your teeth. That's a good one. Okay, Mom. I'm like, sweet. We're sitting at dinner. She's about five and a half. She says, Mommy. I go, Yes. You're Santa. What? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're Santa, and you're the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. I'm like, oh, come on. Just eat your macaroni and cheese. And she's like, no, that's it. So I was proud of her for figuring it out, but it was a little bummer, right? Now, five years later, fast forward, and we have a second spawn, and she's gullible. She, She loves all magic. Everything's magic. And I think the oldest was a little regretful that she had stopped the magic of Santa Claus. And she said, Mommy, little one over here, little sis, Santa, game on. Are you serious? Oh, sweet, it's back. And I get to have a sidekick? Are you kidding? And off we went. We took every single holiday. And like Easter, we had little sugar footy prints that were hopping into the house, but then they disappear. Must be magic. It was really just the dog had licked up the sugar, but that's okay. <laughs> the Tooth Fairy personalized notes like, hey, Maisie, I know you love Rainbow Bright. So do I. How did she know that, Mommy? Because you are a good girl and you're cleaning your room. And, of course, Christmas, we had everything. We even added leprechaun traps. That was the oldest wow, ones. Wow. Yeah, it was getting sophisticated. Everything's great going on for years like this. When all of a sudden I'm watching America's Family videos and I hear this blood curdling scream from upstairs mom and she comes these little seven-year-old legs come pounding down the caramel colored carpet and she goes into the family room she's crying she's like are you santa like what no no i'm not santa and then she cries are you and i can only hear my mother in my head say see missy i told you you shouldn't have lied you're just ruining this little girl i'm like shut up i gotta save face and i look at her and i quickly say you win. What? You win? Yeah, I did. Yeah, 
Yes, you win. You figured it out. I did what I figured out. You are so smart. You figured out the game. Now you're on our side. <gasps> I am? I'm like, yes. Oh, thank God this is working. I'm feeling good, too, because I'm like, this is the most honest I've been in years. And <laughs> she, she, she's, she's, it's working. And all of a sudden she stops. She goes, wait a second. So you've been lying to me my whole life? <laughs> uh tsunami of shame comes crashing down on my shoulders. And I think, she's right. She's totally right. I, I have been lying to her to get stuff done, to get the house clean, to get the dog walked. She's absolutely right. And as I'm looking at my child who's now parenting this supposed parent, I think, and I definitely know, that at that moment, I was definitely on the naughty list. Oh, you're, it's a, such a good story, but you're too hard on yourself. I'm like, there are so many more things that would put me on the naughty list. Oh, I mean, I lied to my kids. I'm her mother. Okay, but you could have also said, like, something else that was terrible. And there is I a did certain... that, too. I owe, the, I owe them so much therapy. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, this, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I am realizing that... Um, as I was trying to think of holiday stories that I remember from when my kids were little, I feel like it's a blur. And I feel like I owe them an explanation of, you're not going to understand this now, but understand that I always wanted to be the parent that I am to you right now. I just didn't have the wherewithal or the confidence or the ability or the time. Um, it was just a lot. And, you know, I feel like I have to, maybe that's my Christmas present to my kids this year. What I remember from my childhood, of course, was that my brothers and I would all get together in one room. And because I was the youngest and adorable and the favorite, again, it's my story, so (laughs) Um, there would always be the annual debate about who's going to go in and wake up mom and dad. Now, again, very manipulated because it was always me, but I wasn't smart enough to figure that out for a long time. And so we'd all be in our pajamas. We're all huddled. We're talking Lots of little chitter-chatter, and then it was voted. I would go. I would wake up mom and dad. Without fail, my father had to get up, take a shower, get dressed, go in the kitchen, brew the coffee, get the coffee, get comfortable, sit down, and then we could start. It was brutal. So brutal. Do you think he knew that he was torturing you? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I, I kind of love that. Right? Yep. Yeah. So kind of awesome. Baked a fruit cake. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that is classic dad. Yeah. Um, okay. We are going to be running out of time here really quickly. And I want you to share your information about Story Fruition and Melanin Stories Matter. Oh, sure, sure. So uh, thank you. I've had a blast with you today. Um, you can find us on uh Everything. We're on all the social sites. So storyfruition.com. That's the the side where I'm working with business professionals and corporations and teaching storytelling to executives and and helping people with keynotes and whatnot, as you said. And then Melanin Stories Matters is also its own site. And it's M-E-L-A-N-I-N stories.com. And I am constantly looking for... uh, talent and you can submit your story of moments that uh, racism really uh, was in your face and how you handled it. These are the stories that I want to help you get heard. 
And we're also looking for underwriters and corporations that want to get behind that because it really is about diversity and mm-hmm. inclusion. And this is a platform that can be brought to these companies um, and have their own stories shared. So that's that. And then um, I, awesome. think that, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Such great stuff. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the workshop today. I'm going to keep working on my founder story. And um, thank you, as always, to Eric. And next week, Annie is joining us, me, Annie, my daughter. Oh, Talk about stories. That'll be fun. So listen in next week, and uh, we'll chat more then. Thank you. Remember, stay connected, not close. (laughs) 